There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. DMV Download, the new daily podcast from WTOP News, is out now. Hosts Megan Clorty and Luke Garrett get the story behind the story. Every weekday afternoon, Megan and I will go beyond the headlines with WTOP reporters and sources to bring you more on the biggest local stories impacting you, our fellow Washingtonians. The DMV Download podcast is available now on all major podcast platforms. Subscribe today so you don't miss an episode. The DMV Download podcast is presented by Steamfitters Local 602. Welcome to the newest episode of Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. I'm your host, Jason Fraley, picking the brains of the top filmmakers, musicians, and artists of our time. Tina Fabrique stars in Mary's Seacole at Mosaic Theater in Washington, D.C., now through May 29th. We discussed the play about a pioneering black nurse, as well as Fabrique's career highlights like singing the TV theme song for Reading Rainbow. Tina Fabrique, I play Duppy Mary. Thank you so much for, for joining us. Um, your reputation precedes you. You know, so many <laughs> so many great things we could talk about. But let's start with Mary Seacole, of course. Um, oh, Definitely. What is it about? So uh, the name, people might recognize the name, maybe Mary Seacole, a famous individual, but it's plural here. So explain why it's Mary Seacole. Well, it is uh, about the Mary Seacole substantially. I mean, this is her story uh, about her life and her work as a caregiver, but it's also the other Marys represent other women who have other things to overcome. And in each case, each Mary is doing something in her life to enlighten her. And her connection to Mary Seacole, the Mary, is one that you'll see played out. Cool. Yeah. Thanks for explaining, you know, how there's the, the multiple Marys throughout the throughout the years. But uh, in case maybe some of our listeners don't know who the original Mary Seacole was, I uh, give them a little background, you know, Crimean War, all that stuff. Okay, she was in the 1850s. She proceeded to learn about healing, caregiving, and her own doctoring. Uh, she's a Jamaican Brit, and her mother actually uh, was the first person to train her in, in caregiving. And she was uh, around the time that Florence Nightingale was on the scene, but uh, because she was a Black woman, she was not given the kind of carte blanche to be a caregiver, to go in and help during the Crimean War where British, British soldiers were being killed, wounded, and so forth. She had to make her way through things and kind of, you know, uh, force, force her point of view about things because she was not accepted simply because she was, at, uh, she was a Black woman. Right, right. Very pivotal pioneering figure. And in, in, in this you know, if people hear the, you know, the words Crimean War, they'll realize this. I mean, this is a part of the world that's, you know, there's war still going on. Still going on, right? Yes, right now. It is, uh, it is very um, interesting that uh, this play is being presented at a time 
when all of this is going on in that same part of the world. And uh, the thing about Mary Seacole, she was a very, I mean, uh, 1850s, a black woman uh, getting on a ship, going to another part of the world mm. to do uh, caregiving, uh, to, I mean, just unsurmountable danger, uh, just being on a ship, being a woman alone, taking supplies, the fact that she could move those supplies by ship. Uh, she was just a real uh, go-getter individual and believed very much in what she was doing. I mean, you, you're saying that this, I mean, it is really mind boggling when you think about it. You said what this was in, it takes place in the 1850s, you said? Yes. I mean, this is, this is before the Emancipation Proclamation in America. Yes, like, and being a Jamaican Brit, uh, she was, first of all, her father was a Scottish soldier. And so, uh, and her mother was Jamaican and she was a free woman. So uh, therefore, right away, that sets her in a different mode mm -hmm. uh, for that time period. And she had already started traveling when she was young. And she went to a lot of different countries. And it was just amazing that she had this drive to travel and see and experience different cultures and all the things that she managed to do in her lifetime. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It really is astonishing to, to see what she accomplished and in, in, in the context of the time period that she lived. It's pretty remarkable. It's yes, it is. under the understatement of the century uh, of the of, of the 18th, 19th century. <laughs> um, well, um, remind us who you play. Who, you, you mentioned it at the top, but go a little more into your character's journey in the show. OK, it is very interesting. Thing uh, that Miss Drury decided to include the Duppy Mary. The term Duppy is a Jamaican cultural reference to a ghost figure. And this ghost figure could take any form. It could be within an animal, it could be any, any type of uh, innate or person that it wanted to enter. So the Duppy is something that uh, is really depicting in this piece mother. She's coming back to settle some scores, to make things clear to all the Marys. And she speaks to them in the second act. The first act, you only see her appear. And she's there to be supportive to her daughter, also to see that she's doing things in the way that is helpful to herself and the way she's taught her. And then in the second act, she speaks. And Duppy is quite, uh, she's quite vocal. And she has a lot to say about what's going on uh, there in uh, the Crimean War situation and also uh, throughout the different countries that Mary has visited and worked in. So she's really making a statement to set things straight. That's so her purpose. You're a bit of a ghostly figure in the show? Oh, yeah. <laughs> awesome. that's I gotta... love her. I love playing her. She's just amazing. That, that's got to be. Now, you know, you know, the as, as an actor, you know, the physicality of playing sort of a ghostly figure, you know, what, do you have to carry yourself a different way? You know, do you move a certain way because you're you're you're, you're more of an eternal being? <laughs> yeah. Um. You know, Eric Ruffin, our fantastic director, uh, really instructed me that my feet really never leave the ground. I kind of 
float along, you know. You glide, and you glide across the stage. Yes. <laughs> and and uh, it's really the most wonderful costume designer, Moyenda Mika, uh, that gave me the most fantastic ghostly dress and veil to match. And it is a wonderful thing to wear and to experience playing this character dressed like this with the veil over my face. It's just amazing. Now, you mentioned your costume. Uh, explain a little more visually what we see. We know our listeners turn out, you know, not only your costume, but um, like all of the costumes, all of the backdrops. Like, I want to know, like, paint me a visual picture, sort of like what we see visually on the stage. Well, actually, this is a beautifully produced piece. There is backgrounds. There are projections. There are there's a, a one piece that I, I wouldn't want to give it away until you actually see the play. But there are pieces on the projections that allow you to see what is going on in this time period, you know. And this play, you know, trips from one time period to another. That's another uh, brilliant thing that Ms. Drury did with the writing of this piece. She kind of uh, skips the, the, the fandangle, you know. She just kind of goes from here to there. And uh, it's, it's quite interesting it, it adds layers to everything and people come back dressed in a certain period and they come back dressed in another period and so it gives you a, a real slice of life throughout i love it and you've mentioned miss drury a few times i just want to tell our listeners this is the pulitzer prize winner jackie yes is it, how do you pronounce it is it sibley's drury jackie sibley's yes jackie yes sibley's and she's amazing um this was actually done at Lincoln Center. A friend of mine named Quincy Bernstein played uh, the Mary main Mary character. I didn't get a chance to see it. I, I'm in, you know, I'm, I'm from New York, and I just didn't know about it, or I would have been to see that production of it as well, just because I, I love Quincy Bernstein's work, but I also wanted to see uh, this woman's work is just so celebrated, you know. Yeah, well, this but this is the uh, this version that you're in is the regional premiere for around our, you know, around the D.C. area. So it's yes. really exciting. It and, is exciting. Uh, and who plays, you know, tell me about your your co-star. OK, so um, Kim Bay plays Mary Seacole. She is the main character and she is absolutely amazing. Uh, the one thing that she says as Mary Seacole is that she is documenting her life for you as the audience. He's telling you things that nobody else will tell you and no one else cared enough to write down. So she's letting you know what she did and how she did it. And there's a lot to that. So she is really doing an amazing job. That's great. Well, yeah, and to see the two of you in the same show, uh, that's it's gonna be, <laughs> that's a treat for audiences. Stay tuned for the rest of my chat with Tina Fabrique, but first a message from a fellow WTOP podcast. DMV Download, the new daily podcast from WTOP News is out now. Hosts Megan Clorty and Luke Garrett get the story behind the story. Every weekday afternoon, Megan and I will go beyond the headlines with WTOP reporters and sources to bring you more on the biggest local stories impacting you, our 
fellow Washingtonians. The DMV Download Podcast is available now on all major podcast platforms. Subscribe today so you don't miss an episode. The DMV Download Podcast is presented by Steamfitters Local 602. Welcome back to Beyond the Fame for the rest of my chat with Tina Fabrique. Just to remind listeners before we run, remind them a little bit about your career. I mean, <laughs> I know myself, I know me and probably everyone that listens to this will know you from just four words, butterfly in the sky. They'll, then they know, <laughs> they'll sing Reading Rainbow. What was it? It must have been a treat that, you know, that you, to be able to sing that. That's a, that's an iconic show for so many of us. <laughs> it is. Uh, and it's interesting because just recently um, I have a grandson and he called me and said, do you realize, Grandma, that your reading rainbow is now uh, on TikTok and it is trending? I said, honey, what does that mean? Exactly. <laughs> but everyone was using my version, which is the original. We did in a little studio, no bigger than a, someone's bathroom, actually. Uh, and it, it was just in three takes and took off. And the show won so many Emmys. And did so well. And every time I got a chance to watch it, I was always astounded at how they went on location. They did all these wonderful things to bring uh, interest to young people watching the show to proceed reading about these things. Exactly. It's an, I mean, it's a classic show and you put it up there with Mr. Rogers and Sesame Street and all the rest. I mean, it, it, it's influenced so many uh, kids over the years. It's for yes, and, it and, par and, and parents. They probably are grateful for it, too. Yeah, um, I get all kinds of notes, especially since, like I said, I'm trending. I get all these wonderful messages about how the show, the music made people feel really happy to hear it. It encouraged their day. It made them feel good about going and finding a new book and subject matter to get familiar with, you know, so it's really great. I, I've had the, uh, the honor and occasion to work here in DC quite often at arena stage mm -hmm. uh, for the most part, or toured to the national theater or worked at the Ford's theater. And I love the Washington audiences. I really do. Uh, they turn out and they are really there to get whatever they can from this performance, whatever it is. I did my Ella Fitzgerald show here and oh, it was just astounding. It was uh, called Ella, right? Yes, indeed, right. yes. Was that, what What theater was that? Was that at Arena? That it was, yes, that was at Arena. And um, I've done Ella throughout regional theaters for seven years. And I just, I just found that everyone who remembers Ella Fitzgerald's voice was curious about her as a person who had any kind of memories connected to that wonderful, marvelous song list that she had, all the different composers that she sang, uh, they would turn out in great number and they were really into the show. So I really uh, appreciate Washington audiences. Wow. Well, if, if the Ella Fitzgerald show at Arena, if that was, you know, one of your D.C. highlights, remind our listeners some of your Broadway highlights. You, didn't you play Ma Rainey as well? Black yes, Bottom? I did Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. I've done Bring in the Noise, Bring in the Funk. I did Ragtime on Broadway, How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying on Broadway. I've done quite a few Broadway shows. Glass and Menagerie. I'm very, yes, Glass Menagerie. I've just been a working actor and I've been very fortunate and blessed to get some real good stuff to do. do what do you think was your favorite of all of those that you just named? It's got to be hard, but was there one that was the most fulfilling or that, you, you know, you tapped into on a more most personal level or just something that you look back on and particularly proud of? 
Well, I'm particularly proud of the Ella Project because that was something that was created by me and for me. Uh, and it was the most wonderful music uh, I think there, there could possibly be. I got to, to work with the Duke Ellington Orchestra uh, before I ever got the Ella piece. And Mercer Ellington was the director. And he told me, you just have the instrument to do this music justice. You should sing it more often. <laughs> so therefore the Ella Project came up and there I was with 22 songs singing all over the country. And there was a piece called Abyssinia, which is almost uh, a cult favorite that was done at Arena way back in the eighties. Another one of my favorites. Also, Bringing the Noise, Bringing the Funk is one of my favorites as well, uh, featuring tapping through a lifetime, things that made differences and changes in the world we live in. And it was displayed through tapping and my singing. And it was just amazing. That's that's great. And uh, real, before we run, uh, remind our listeners your your, your origins. Did, where you grew up? Did you grow up in Harlem? I want to know how you got into acting to begin with. OK, I'm born and raised in Harlem. Um, I still live in New York, although I live in the Bronx now, but um, I got into, I've been singing all my life. So I was singing in church, in nightclubs, and I was always being recruited to be lead singer for some gospel group when I was a kid. Uh, so I was always singing, but there was a woman named Rosetta Lenoir who uh, had a Moss musical theater on 86th Street in Manhattan, who told me when I was about, I guess, in my mid twenties, uh, you should be doing more theater, dear. You have a great voice and you have a great presence for theater. And that's what you should be doing. And I never had the opportunity to go to college for acting. I studied at HB Studios with some of the best people. But once I took her advice and I showed up for a couple of auditions, I never stopped working. And and. The rest is history <laughs> that we've that we've pretty much already gone into a lot of it. So, yeah, I thank you. I mean, thank you so much for doing this. I, I really, really appreciate oh, it. Oh, it's my pleasure. Um, and we encourage everyone to check out Mary Seacole. Um, it's going to be at the Mosaic Theater in D.C. Uh, now through May 29th. Again, just a couple more weeks. So get your tickets now. Thank you so much for joining us. It was an honor. to Thank talk you for you. having me. Thank you, Jason. It was a pleasure. Thanks so much for joining us on Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. Remember to hit the subscribe button and give us a five-star rating if you like what you hear. We'll see you next time. I wanted to take a second to tell you about an app I really enjoy. Living in the D.C. area is great, and Podcast D.C. gathers all of the local shows that I like all in one local app. Health, sports, local news, politics, and so much more. Podcast D.C. is the new local app with hundreds of D.C. area podcasts to choose from. I can earn exciting rewards just for listening and share the podcasts I love instantly. Available in the App Store or in Google Play, listen local with Podcast D.C.